Welcome to the Inclusion Think Tank podcast presented by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education, NJCIE. As the name suggests, this podcast will discuss inclusive education and most importantly, why it works. On this episode, I welcome my guest, Stephen Palavoda. Stephen is a photographer and self-advocate. He is currently employed as an administrative assistant for a nonprofit organization that works with individuals who have disabilities. During our conversation, we share the importance of self-advocacy as it relates to inclusive education. Welcome back to another episode of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast brought to you by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education. I am your host, Arthur Aston. And I am happy to welcome my guest on today's episode, Stephen Palavoda. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad uh, that you are joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So um, you and I, we met a few months ago uh, during the virtual Dare to Dream uh, conference. And uh, I was in... I was kind of overseeing and facilitating your, um, your Zoom room. Uh, where you hosted, um, you know, your your conference uh, topics. So, um, and the Dare to Dream conference, I found it, it was my first time attending uh, the conference, and I found it to be very, uh, just a, a great experience. And um, you got a lot of comments and, and reading all the comments when you were doing your presentation, and uh, everybody really enjoyed your um and enjoyed what your topic was. So um, I'm really happy to uh, be with you again virtually and to have you back on the, uh, or to have you as a guest on the podcast. <laughs> happy to be here. Happy to be here for sure. Um, so if you could, um, can you share with us a little bit about yourself, who you are and share, um, share with us what your uh, disability is? Sure. So my background, I've changed jobs a lot over the years. I've been in teaching, been a long-term substitute. I was a paraprofessional, which for those who don't know, is a teacher's aide, uh, where you shadow with a student and you follow them around, helping them with their assignments if need be. Um, mm-hmm. I've also worked in different office settings now. And currently I am an administrative assistant for a nonprofit organization that actually works with people who have disabilities. And it's really fascinating. So it's quite, I don't, unfortunately, I don't really work with them. I work with the managers. And I work with my director and everyone else around me. So it's definitely a battle. You know, it's a learning experience for sure. Every job you have has its perks, has its ups and downs. As And photography really just is my passion. It's what drives me to keep going. Art is where my foundation is. So like on gorgeous days like this, if it's not howling winds, I'm usually outside taking pictures if it's not, you know, if I'm not working and whatnot. So uh that being said that's kind of really how i use my time like when i, when I have downtime my disability so it's classified as just a typical specific learning disability um mine specifically was in reading comprehension i think with some other issues i can't recall um but reading comprehension was definitely my weakest one and i remembered like i could literally like read like a chapter in a book but then get quizzed on it and I would fail a reading quiz because I knew I couldn't remember anything. So like I had to work on different strategies on how to actually go about doing that. So that disability, I feel like now I've outgrown it more or less, at least in the academic side of it. 
I do believe there's a social aspect of my disability that was never really talked about, you know, because being when you're a lot more mature than most people your age, there's that, you know, separation that you have and you feel more alienated. So there's a social aspect. I always say lately, like there's two aspects of the disability. There's the academic side, but then you also have the social aspect to it that a lot of people, I think, just kind of brush off to the side. I think it's something that's always worth looking into. So that's a disability for me. It doesn't really, I always tell people, it never defines me as part of who I am because it never should define you. That is so great. I um, I love that you brought up your photography because I remember you mentioned that um, and then uh, you invited everybody to follow you on social media and- I've had some following, not a, not a lot, but some, so I was thankful. Yeah, yeah, and I, I followed you at during that time. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I always say, uh, you know, I, I wish that I had some kind of, um, you know, artistic talent like drawing or, you know, having an eye for photography and things like that. I love, uh, you know, like you mentioned, I love being outside as well. I was actually outside today and it was uh, quite windy outside, but um, <laughs> uh, I love being outside in nature and uh, living in Jersey, you get to go to the beach and things like that. And then, the bus, right? yeah, and then there's, you know, the, the nature, the forest and the, the you know, being out in the, uh, what, Pine Barrens and things like that. So there's mm. there's a lot of things to see uh, and photograph. So, um, you know, so that's really cool that you do that. And I, I also like that you mentioned, um, you know, the social part of uh, of disability. And, and that's really, um, you know, it was very important to mention that. So thanks for, uh, for sharing that with everyone. So, um, as I mentioned, you and I, we did meet during the Dare to Dream conference um, sometime last year. We were discussing this before we started recording, and we think it was in October, but <laughs> it's hard to remember what day or, or month it is now. So, um, But uh, the Dare to Dream uh, student leadership conferences are, uh, it's a conference that highlights the importance of student self-advocacy and leadership. And as I mentioned, you... Um, hosted a presentation and um, one of those presentations was titled Rooted in Inspiration, where you shared um, things, uh, uh, why it's important to be inspired and, and what inspires you and how that pushes you forward and, and led you to where you are today. Can you give us two things or, or two people that inspire you and why? <laughs> so I think this one's a no brain where I say this photography is definitely my biggest inspiration it's like it's my favorite you know literally it's what gets me going every day the fact that I know at any point when I'm not working that I can go out and take photos when it's not when the weather is really good and comfortable it's wonderful you know like I've been able to see so many different places um even what was it I think like in the past two years I've taken almost 20,000 pictures which is pretty uh, monumental. Most people don't even get that in a lifetime. So, and I've accomplished that in about two years. <laughs> so it, it's pretty incredible when you have that kind of passion and nothing will stop you. To give an idea of how passionate I am, I once did a trip from New Hope, Pennsylvania, all the way to Hoboken in one day. And I went and stopped for lunch in between. I was pretty exhausted, but that was one of the best trips I ever did because I got probably about 300 pictures that day and I was very exhausted when I got home, but 
It was the best kind of exhaustion I could have asked for. It's a type you want to have. I'll put it that way. Because you feel accomplished. You feel good. You're tired from something you enjoyed doing. You're not tired because you were stressed. If anything, it's a good kind of stress because you've been, you're working a different part of your mind. You know, like that's the creative side of me. So that's definitely photography is like my biggest thing. I've been doing this really passionately since I was nine, but like professionally since I was in past like maybe three years. And I have had clients for uh, photo shoots too, you know, so it's been a lot of fun in that respect. Um, that's one thing. I'm trying to think. The other thing that would inspire that inspires me, mm-hmm. either that or people. I'd say more so people in terms of my friends. Um, they're definitely like also a huge core of who I am because really, if I'm having a bad day, I know who my go-to people are. I know who I can pretty much always hang out with like every week if I want, or like it's nice when people reach out to me to want to hang out and do things. And it's all about going the extra mile for people. And it's all about like everyone else reciprocating because otherwise friendship is like a two-way street. You can't just have one person pulling all the weight. If it's only one person, that's what we, we don't call that a friendship. It's just a one-way street and it goes nowhere. It just passes right by you. So it needs to be a nice flu. You need to have, to have fluidity going on there. So I'd say between photography and friendship, like those two go hand in hand for me. Um, I will say sometimes friends don't always care for when I do my art because I stop at every little thing and I take pictures of. So I always tell people if I bring my camera, be forewarned, you're actually going to stop a lot along the way. So if that's not your thing, don't tag along. <laughs> so I, I just, I try to keep a good balance, you know, like that's where my inspiration comes from. Either it's from the world of art and even though photography is my core, like architecture definitely ties into that too. I love everything that you said with um, the friends. I can very uh, definitely relate to that. (laughs) Um, You know, friends, I always say my friends inspire me. Uh, So I I really love that. And just um, that you found such passion in uh, photography. And um, I, I definitely believe that uh, things like that with art and, um, you know, photography, writing, or singing, or writing music, or playing music, I think it can all be very um, healing and therapeutic for people. I was just going to say therapeutic. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge part of it. It's because you get to see you so much of it. It's like you feel free. Yeah. You know, it's a sense of freedom, like you're breaking away from everything in the world, and you're able to do what you like. Exactly. Or love, really. So, so part of um, your uh, presentation during the conference, um, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things and people asked a lot of questions. And um, one of the things I wanted you to touch on during this uh, conversation is what advice can you offer for those in high school who are preparing either to go to college or into the workforce? Um, what advice can you offer them on how they can be their own self-advocates and proactive uh, to assure that they receive the services um, that they're entitled to having. Sure. Oh, this is a big topic for me. Um, mm-hmm. So being your own advocate, like you, that is advice in itself, you know, really just being able to push yourself. You know, I think I said this in the conference too, and I've said it in years past. No one, I think I have, no one can want something more than you do. You know, you have to really want that. If you don't want it, no one's going to tell you, oh, let me help you. 
you know, if you're waiting for that silver spoon, chances are you might be you probably already missed it out days before. You know, there's no sense in waiting for it. You just got to go for it. No one's going to tell you to get on that train. You know, you're going to have to do it, you know. So, and you got to utilize your, utilize your resources. Even if you're in high school, I get it. You have your IEP team now, and that's great. But you have that power to still take charge of what classes you can take. You shouldn't ever let a counselor tell you, oh, well, you haven't taken any advanced classes, so you're probably not ready for this. It's like I had that happen with a guidance counselor where, of course, I respect who will name nameless, um, but she be was convinced that because all I ever had was in class support for English, she was convinced that I could never do well in an accelerated English class, which was not true. But Unfortunately, my hands were tied. I tried to fight it as hard as I could, but the, the most they would have let me do was be in a regular track class without in-class support, which I thought was really unfair. So my advice is really just try to fight for what you want because at the end of the day, you will not have a second teacher with you when you're working. Yes, you have their resources at your job that you can always reach out to, you know, like if you're having a rough day, like, or if you have health benefits, for instance, you can utilize therapy. Yes, it's going to cost you money, but it's going to be at a much lower rate if you, compared to having to pay out of pocket if you weren't part of like that particular workforce. That's what I do. So because of who I work for, I have therapy at a discount, much higher discounted rate. You know, you're talking like paying 40 at 40 bucks as an example every time versus 120. Huge difference, right? So you want to be able to like, find ways to utilize those resources, know where you need to go for help. Even in high school, utilize your teachers all the time. That's what I did. I, if anything, I stayed after school when I got stuck and couldn't figure out things. I didn't have much of a social life in high school. That's just the way how I chose to be. You know, I didn't feel like I ever really fit in. So for me, utilizing my teachers was really my only outlet. So for me, that was the biggest help I could have asked for. If college is your route, then here's this advice. When it comes to college, you want to find out if your college university has a specific program for people with disabilities, right? Some universities will have it where it's much more generic and they just have disability services. Middlesex County College, unfortunately, it's no longer, but they, the college used to have a program called Project Connections which was a fantastic program. It was known nationally at one point um, for being one of the better programs in the country. And it was very selective. Only about maybe like 100, 120 students got in every year. But it was a very focused program where like you could actually go through these different classes. They would basically give you like that helping hand that you needed to succeed. They basically gave you the tools that you needed. I'm sure there are programs that are still out there, but even though it's not called that particular name, there are programs that exist and you have to figure out if they are out there. Disability services is wonderful, but remember that's more generic and chances are, if you're not gonna speak up, you might never get the accommodations you need. And if you do need them, you need to be the one and no one's gonna tell you when to do it. If ever, you have to have the courage and build it up to go up to the professor pretty much in that first week or first day and say, hey, like, and wait till after the class is over and say, hey, like, this is who I am. I'm in your class, getting goddess. And then just say, like, if you're comfortable, what disability you have, or at the very least say, I'm with disability services. I have these accommodations. 
how can you help me? You know, how can you help me be more successful? You have to ask that question. No one's going to ask that for you because the professor is there to teach. They're not going, not that they don't care, but if you don't bring it to their attention, they're not going to look for it. It's not like the teachers in high school where they're trained to look for that because they already know what the IEP is ahead of time before they even have you. Professors don't have that. They don't. You know, you have like a more like individualized plan in college for sure, but the American Disabilities Act, that's what you get covered under. But again, it's more generic. So you have to be your own advocate and knowing where to go, who to talk to, you know, utilize your professor's office hours. Seriously, I was in some professor's office hours multiple times in a week, just even just to get papers looked at, because I knew that would help me get the higher grade, because that's the secret. If you know the teaching style of how that professor teaches and you love that style, find professors like that. And if they happen to be in your major, stick with that particular professor for every class or as many as you can. I did that at Kane. And one of the history professors there was fantastic, so much so, I don't know how I pulled this off. I had him five times in two years. And yeah, it, it was intense, but I loved his style so much because his style matched my learning abilities. That's what you need to know too. Know how you learn and know like what your strengths are, but also know what your limitations are. Your limitations shouldn't be defined, shouldn't be like, hurting you like academically but you need to know how far like to go so that you're not going to be putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be stressed out you know that's what the accommodations are for like extended time like you know like wherever you take it for a test maybe it's a typing test if you know you have terrible handwriting and you don't want your professor trying to struggle to read what you write um so things like that like they used to call it books on tape it's really like you know, like a digital reader nowadays, or like you have it like on a thumb on a flash drive, and you can also hear the recordings back. Um, it's just a matter of utilizing your resources, knowing who to go to and when, because that's really what got me where I needed to be. Even um, they even have counseling services for free at the colleges and universities. A lot of people don't utilize those resources. It's the best part is even they don't tell you this really too often, but the secret is for the most part. Um, at least at Middlesex County College is the case. I'm certain this is true for all places, for all places. Even after you graduate, you can pretty much go back whenever you want. You know, like you can go back as an alumni and it will never be a problem. I've done it a few times. It's nice, you know, because it shows that like you had that deeper connection with who you were, were there for, you know. But the reality is you have to be willing to accept of what your limitations are, but knowing how to work those. Even when I had a reading lab, it's probably where I tackled my disability the hardest for reading comprehension. I went to reading lab sessions after the classes were over many times until I got it drilled into my head on how to read better. And because I used to hate reading as a kid for the longest time. And it took me over a year to read a book even. Now I can literally read a book and know how to read better as well. So I can actually enjoy it and actually remember it more. So like the skills do work. You just have to be able to apply yourself. So it's knowing what your resources are, knowing the knowledge, but also know like applying yourself. Knowledge doesn't help. And you know, knowledge is to me, there's that old saying where it says where people say knowledge is power. I don't think so, because it's how you apply yourself and what you do with that knowledge. You know, if you're just given that knowledge, that's great, but what are you gonna do with it? I love so much of what you said. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's really important that um, 
you know, self-advocacy is, is just so important. As you said, um, nobody will want it more than you or should want it more than you. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and, and you have to, um, it's important to speak up for yourself and also to be aware of the resources that do exist, uh, like the student uh, disability services at college on college campuses. Um, they have programs like that on most, if not all college campuses, and they are there to help. And you, uh, you know, as you said, you can't expect uh, the professor to know every single thing about every student. So you have to go to them and like you said, utilize their office hours and spend time talking to them and let them know what your strengths are, what your limitations are. I think that's um, so important to mention the, the limitations and, and what, um, how you both can work together to make sure that you are successful because they do, um, you know, the professors, they do want to help. And at the same time, uh, you as your own self-advocate uh, have to let them know how they can help and, and what is most helpful because they they won't know unless if you uh, share it with them. So uh, it's, you know, I, I appreciate uh, you, everything that you've said during this conversation. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited again that, and uh, happy that you have uh, joined me for this episode and uh, shared your perspective and your experience of, um, you know, of things that inspire you and how you uh, were able to be your own self-advocate through your uh, academic uh, career. And, um, and it has led you to uh, doing great things in your life. So, uh, Stephen, I appreciate you uh, for taking the time out uh, this evening to uh, join me. <laughs> Anytime. My pleasure. Yeah, so uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you uh, doing this for me. So thank you, and I will be in touch with you soon. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast. This podcast is brought to you by New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or Spotify, and to follow us on social media at NJCIE. Until next time.